This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I get to record this after a very fun, very interesting, and ultimately exceptional MVP performance in a Nuggets win. Final score, Denver takes the home opener over the San Antonio Spurs 102-96, under 100 points for the defense once again. Very impressive stuff. Really, really liked what I saw from the defense in both the starting and the bench unit. This podcast is going to be about Nikola Jokic in segment one, because it has to be. The starters in segment two, bench in segment three. Get to talk about kind of all three of those groupings, because I think it was three groupings tonight where You had Jokic, and then you really had everybody else. Uh, But the starters get grouped in one segment, and the bench gets grouped in another. So we will talk about all three. Uh, But we have to start with the Joker, who was just nearly perfect tonight. Very, very impressive performance from Nikola Jokic. MVP caliber game from him when the team needed everything from him. Every single thing. And he got it done. He scored 32 points, including some beautiful buckets down the stretch. His playmaking was great. Seven assists, did have six turnovers, but a couple of those, they weren't really his fault. Like One of them was a a, a really nice over-the-top pass that it was in Will Barton's hands, and then it really wasn't in Will Barton's hands, and just kind of fumbled it out of the bounds, but they credited it to Jokic, and that's understandable, but it wasn't really his fault. Uh, He had the rebounding tonight. Uh, 16 boards, dominated the glass while he was out there, got some clutch rebounds as well, especially in a crowd. Uh, He did a really nice job. There was one play in particular where he was rebounding one-on-three against three San Antonio Spurs, including Jakob Pertl, and he still came down with the rebound, thought he got fouled, looked at the ref like, what the hell, and then had to kind of escape dribble away from the three Spurs who were trying to get the ball out of his hands and he he drew an off or he drew a defensive foul from them by making a nice triple move and getting away. Really, really impressive rebounding from him. And then the defense itself, really impressive defensive performance from him. Had three steals, one block. He had a second one at one point, but I think they took it away. Uh, great contests against the Spurs down the stretch where He just looked like a natural, good defensive center. Wasn't a liability, wasn't somebody that he had to protect. Uh, He was doing his job out there. And sometimes you're going to find that there there are some shots, there are some weaknesses in his defensive profile that aren't great for the rest of the team. 
but they didn't have to cover for him tonight, and they didn't have to cover for him in the Suns game. And it was to the point where those other Nuggets got to really focus in on their own assignments, got to kind of move as one, not necessarily having to overcompensate, and the entire defense looks good as a result. They've allowed under 100 twice so far, and Jokic has been a big reason why. He's not perfect. He's going to give up like the, the short floater, uh, I think, uh, from Eubanks and from Jakob Pertl was there tonight. There are some shots that if you're Keldon Johnson or Lonnie Walker or DeJounte Murray, then you're going to be more athletic than Jokic and you're going to get it over the top of him. And that's fine. But he was a big reason why the fundamental defense was great. And then his ability to rebound and clear those boards was really important in finishing those possessions. The Spurs, as a result, didn't have a lot of second chance opportunities tonight. They had seven offensive rebounds. Jakob Pertl had four of them, but a couple of those came against the bench. And I tend to think that Nikola Jokic was a big reason why that not as many of them came against the starting unit. So really good stuff from him tonight. He simply embodies what an MVP should look like for a team. He calms them down with his scoring does a really good job of getting others involved all the time. Uh, there are some times where probably is a little bit too passive at times, but he really walked the line tonight in terms of knowing, hey, I need to be the scorer. I need to be the guy who gets this bucket. We really need to deliver, and I've got a matchup that I like. So he went to work. And then he also did the dirty work and the defensive work too. Oh, and by the way, MVPs, they should hit clutch shots. And that Sombor shuffle that he had against Pirtle, it was it was disgusting, just despicable how awesome that shot was, where he dribbles, gets close to the lane, sees the defender coming uh, for the double team so that he can't spin middle. So he instead kind of flows right into the other action, going the other way, flowing into the Sombor in one smooth motion and just drops in nothing but net. It's one of the best and prettiest go-to shots in the entire NBA. And he does it in such a creative way where defenses, even if they know that it's coming, where he gets onto his back foot, shoots it to the moon, the arc that he puts on that shot is nearly unblockable. I've only ever seen, I think, Yusuf Nurkic and Rudy Gobert block that shot. And it's probably because they were the first people to see it. They've seen it the most. They're in the division. They know, and they have a big grudge on that guy. Jokic uses it against anybody else, and it's unblockable. He's unflappable on that shot. And it really stands to reason that it's one of the best go-to moves in the entire league. And if that's what his go-to shot becomes... If that's how you kind of build that MVP case again, once again, then that's how it's going to happen. He's moving up my personal MVP ladder tonight, moving up to the top spot. He was at two. I was giving the default to Carl Anthony Towns, who I thought had a just a really spectacular performance against the Houston Rockets. Uh, yeah, Jokic claimed that tonight. Just a really, really excellent performance. 
And I think he deserves a lot of credit for just a special performance from a special player. So I'm going to make sure to give him that credit. I hope that other people do as well. Uh, He absolutely deserves it. He is going to be relied upon for this team. As Michael Porter continues to try to figure out his own game, Michael Porter scored 15 points in the first game, 7 points in the second. Jokic is going to be relied upon for the heavy lifting, at least until Porter can kind of figure his stuff out. It was the same last year with Jamal Murray. And eventually Murray got his stuff together and he was very good and then got injured briefly and then things sort of fell apart for the Nuggets at that point. So the Nuggets are going to have to work to give him some help because if he has to do this for the entire season, it's going to be really difficult on him. I wouldn't want that on anybody. Um, but the fact is the starters are going to have to step up and we're going to talk about them here next. Uh, We will be right back on the other side with Starter Talk. We're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. Really helps me out. Really helps expand the program. And seen a lot of growth over the course of these last couple of weeks. And it has been really, really helpful. And, and it's, it's also just very vindicating to watch. So thank you so much for all the support. It means the world to me. Okay. Let's get into talk about the rest of the starters, who I think to varying degrees were good and bad. Uh, Nobody really stood out as having a great game. Nobody really stood out as having an an awful game, except possibly Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Three of 10 from the field, one of five from three, had seven points. Uh, I think he only had one turnover, if I'm not mistaken. So it wasn't like he was kind of making a mess of things. Um, had four personal fouls, had to come out of the, the game a bit early in the third quarter because he, he was racking up some fouls. But he didn't pick up another one when he came back in in the fourth. And I thought overall uh, had a decent defensive game, uh, was much better in the second half than he was the first half, but still lost Doug McDermott on occasion, still got back up by uh, Derek, Derek White, excuse me. He has to be attentive all the time. A team like the Spurs is very smart. They're going to try to pick on the weakest link. And I think the weakest link tonight was MPJ. And a lot of the actions that the Spurs ran at Denver starters were directed towards Michael Porter and making him the focal point. Uh, I thought he responded okay. Uh, Bad in the first, good in the second is how I would describe it. And then he did have a a good three-point shot in transition Uh, with about four minutes left to go in the game. That was a very, very important three. So it's not all bad. What I will say is that it has been very difficult to envision Michael Porter getting a bunch more shots uh, with the way the teams are guarding him, with the way that he's being uh, kind of not face guarded, but, but being pressured as much as he is. And It's to the point that if he is shooting those shots in in a contested fashion anyway, then he's actually playing into the defense's hands. 
Uh, tonight, the playmaking wasn't there, had zero assists to one turnover. Uh, he was much better in the first game at, at kind of leveraging his ability to shoot into playmaking for other people. Uh, the Spurs sort of took that away, and I thought Keldon Johnson defended him pretty well. Uh, Devin Vassell was on him at times. Uh, Lonnie Walker was on him at times. Doug McDermott was on him at times, though not as much. Um, I think that this reminds me a lot of Murray back in the 18-19 season where you see a lot of flashes beforehand. And even in the 19-20 season, you see a lot of flashes, has some really good performances, has some really big holes in the game, but if he just ties them up and has natural development, he's going to improve. Uh, but it's not linear. It doesn't always happen all at once, and it was always going to kind of start slow based off of what we saw in the preseason. Uh, did have better scoring numbers in the preseason than he does now, but there were some things, there were some indicators that I would say that he would start slow. So, I think it's not surprising. I'm glad that the rest of the Nuggets, particularly Jokic and Barton, have really stepped up and kind of filled that void. But they're going to need him eventually. They're going to need some sort of second option that steps up on a consistent basis. And he's the guy that can do it. He's the guy that has the talent to make it happen. And it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like and, and how he can free himself up. Is it just going to have to be going up against a bad team, getting some good reps, uh, being the, the focal point of something, of a, of a particular game plan on one night? I'm very interested. Um, also, I think the very important piece of this is that if he wants to become a star, he has to do more than just score. Every, everybody knows that, obviously. It's not just about the defensive end, but it's also about rebounding and passing and things like that. And usually he's a good rebounder. Usually he's somebody who's going to uh, collect those boards. Uh, tonight, only one rebound for him, but Denver won the rebounding battle. So it's not like he was the, the reason. Like His one rebound, I don't think, was necessarily... Look, Jokic had 16, Barton had 7, Gordon had 5. He's in a lineup where he's around a lot of other plus rebounders at times, and him getting one rebound isn't necessarily on him all the time. But the playmaking, the rebounds, it can't all be like that. He has to find a way to impact the game in some way. Uh, just, just find his niche, just find his ability to get involved because it's not always going to be on the offensive end and, and it's not always going to be as a scorer because Denver does have talent and they have other guys who can do that. Plus, he's not necessarily a better option to run two-man game than somebody like Monte Morris or somebody like Will Barton because of their ability to dribble and navigate and play make for others. So it's going to be a process and he's going to have to take some time uh, he can't disengage. He has to stay engaged all the time. And hopefully Denver going up against Cleveland in this next game, that could be a really good opportunity for him to get free because he's going to be defending. He's going to probably be defended by 
either Evan Mobley or Larry Markinen. So we're, I, I don't think I'm going to do a podcast before that, but he's going to have an opportunity and we're going to see what happens. I'm very curious. Okay. Aaron Gordon versus Keldon Johnson was very interesting. Gordon was being physical to start the game and I thought did a pretty good job. But Johnson, he just responded in a very big way, was excellent all game with 27 points on 18 shots. I thought that in the second half, Gordon responded pretty well, not necessarily as a scorer, but more as just a defender who switched constantly, made sure to get back into Denver's base scheme, and switched when, when other, whenever somebody else had the ball. And let's say it was, uh, let's say Barton was out of position after on the drive or he was in the corner and his man got free, and it was Derek White. Aaron Gordon was constantly picking up guys like Derek White. He was constantly in the vicinity and making sure that those guys didn't get free runs to the rim, free runs to the corner. And I really appreciate that about his game. It's good attention to detail. It's a good opportunity to just really focus in on something that he's capable of doing, and that's on-ball defense. I thought that Keldon Johnson made a lot of great contested shots tonight against him, so I wouldn't necessarily put it all on Aaron Gordon per se, uh, or or any of Doug McDermott's buckets uh, at all. But Gordon still, like he only got six shots again tonight. I'm okay with that. Denver has other options that need to get going. Um, Gordon's going to be the fifth option offensively, so did have a nice pass. Uh, Needs to find more opportunities to be a playmaker. Did have some turnovers, especially ones where he's trying to be physical, trying to get to the rim, trying to show off his physicality and and charges or uh, commits an offensive foul. Those aren't great. Got to cut those out. Will Barton, I thought, had a good game. Uh, Had a brief two-man game with Nikola Jokic. Wasn't as efficient of a shooting game. Uh, from Barton, but he was still very productive. 12 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Very good stuff. Like, those are good, solid numbers. And he was plus 14, or no, he was plus 12, which was second on the team, to Jokic's plus 14. And played 32 minutes, just was very, very positive in his time. And I thought he also played a strong defensive game, too. Uh, Just continuing to really start the season well, was two of four from three, three of nine from two. And there was a shot late that I think he'd probably like to have back where he went a little bit too early in the shot clock. And if you're not going to go to Jokic in that situation and call your own number, you need to make it, you need to make sure that it's an efficient look. And he kind of went into the paint, had a contested shot, and that's just not great. So you got to find ways to kind of switch around that shot selection, be a little bit more picky about that shot selection a bit. But look, six assists, zero turnovers. If you're looking for a point guard, if you're looking for somebody to run the offense, to kind of steady things, that's a really good game. That's really good stuff. And in a game where the rest of Denver's offense, uh, Gordon had three turnovers, Porter had one, Jokic had six, uh, Monte Morris, uh, steady Monte had four. Uh, they, the rest of the starting lineup had 14 turnovers by themselves. So Barton, if, if he had two, it would have been reasonable, but he had zero. 
So that's the steadiness that you need to be shooting for. You need to be looking for on a consistent basis. And I really liked what I saw. That is a good thing. Uh, the two-man game with Jokic had a really nice dump-off pass to him as a roller in the paint, kind of late in this game. Also showed some good chemistry with Monte where they were playmaking for each other. Uh, I thought that despite the fact that he wasn't efficient, he was still just a very impressive game. So good stuff from Willie B. And finally, Monte uh, cleaned things up at that end uh, or kind of at the end of this game and had the dagger shot where Denver was kind of looking for Jokic on the, the left block as opposed to the right block. They were kind of using him in some off-ball actions, but the Spurs were denying pretty well. And Monte knew that in a in a shot clock where it was down to five seconds already, he had to create. And he created a really great shot. I think it was against Derek White. And hit a step back and hit a two. And it was just very comfortable, very confident. He had 13 points on six of 12 shooting. Four turnovers. So it wasn't the most efficient outing in his life, but... Um, and it, it, he also wasn't as involved as the passer. He had one assist compared to Barton's six, and then he had the four turnovers. So not great in terms of the efficiency. And he was one of five from three. But if, if another of those threes goes down, he has 16 points on 12 shots and he's two of five. So if that were the case, those are really good shooting guard numbers. And he basically was the off guard tonight. So that's pretty good. Hard to hate. I also think that his defense is pretty good. Uh, He just continues to impress in that role. He's never going to be perfect. He's not Jamal Murray, and asking him to be Jamal Murray would be a travesty. Uh, But while Michael Porter had seven points and Aaron Gordon had eight, Monte had 13. He put together some good offense around Nikola Jokic along with Will Barton, and those three guys were kind of Denver's big three tonight. They were the three leading scorers. You had Jokic at 32, you had Morris at 13, and you had Barton at 12. Those were the three leaders. That's incredible. But his defense was good. He was steady all around. Did have some turnovers, but hard to hate. Like, I mean, if if you're aggressive, and I like that he's aggressive, I like that he stays that aggressive, uh, he's going to continue to improve in this role. And I like that. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit. We are going to be right back. All right, final segment. Let's talk about the bench unit here. Uh, I believed that Bones Highland was going to play. I thought that he was going to get his opportunity in front of the home crowd. Uh, you don't want to play him against Chris Paul and Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns, the defending Western Conference champions, and a big rival of yours. I understand that. I understand giving Austin Rivers an opportunity against that team because he was as frustrated as anybody that Denver sort of fell apart, and he was in the starting lineup for most of that. So giving Austin Rivers that opportunity in that game was understandable. And frankly, I do understand why Michael Malone gave that bench an opportunity 
in this game too, in, including the full bench with Austin Rivers. And and Michael Malone commented on it. I'll, I'll just go to that here real quick. Michael Malone, he said he wants to make this unit work. He's going to give them an opportunity to kind of make it work. And I think that's understandable. He likes the defense of it. He likes the, the opportunity that those guys are going to get, the steadiness that they're going to provide. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially without Murray. Like, There's nothing wrong with wanting a defensive unit that is going to kind of shrink the number of possessions, that is going to make the opposing team work very hard, and that on most nights, if they play that great defense and then just get some contributions from a couple players, then they'll usually keep the opposing bench about even. And that's fine. But I thought that there was good and bad in the bench tonight. And so I believe that they were a plus one in the first half as an all-bench unit. I believe. I could be wrong about that. Maybe there was a uh, a possession that I missed here or there, but I think that they were a plus one. So that's really good. You just want to keep it even. You have to believe that you have one of the best starting lineups in the NBA, and so you keep everything even. And if you do, that's a pretty good bench. Now, if you're giving up a bunch of minuses like you did in the first game, then that's that's a big problem, but they didn't do that. But they were a minus seven in the second half. That I'm pretty sure about. And the reason that they were, and why I think it's kind of unfair to judge them a little bit, San Antonio actually used their starting five at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was a very interesting, unique wrinkle from Greg Popovich and from the entire Spurs bench because Denver, they know they're, they're going to use that all bench unit. They finished up the, the third quarter with that all bench unit. And they played Nikola Jokic until one minute left in the third quarter. Greg Popovich knows Michael Malone. He knew that he was going to use that all-bench unit on the way out. And he tried to counter with his starters and thought that they could blow the game open. And the Nuggets bench gave up just enough resistance to keep the lead, to maintain that, though they kind of chipped away at it, uh, to give Jokic just enough time that he could rest and recover until he had to get back into the game. So I think it's unfair to kind of judge them against a full starting five. But what I will say is that you kind of have to judge them on the sample, and here's the good and the bad. Start with the good. Faku Kompasa was an animal tonight. Just an absolute animal. The shooting was bad, especially the outside shooting. But the energy, the poise, the contesting of everything on the defensive side... He made some tough shots inside as well. It was just a really, really impressive performance from the jitterbug that is Faku Kompazo. He did the Chris Paul dribble move where he faked the, the behind-the-back kind of pass to somebody else and then put that ball between his legs from the back to front, uh, kind of a wraparound uh, bounce pass, and then drove the rest of the way into the lane and used that to get a, a free basket in transition. It was very, very Creative and very impressive. The crowd loved it. I loved it. He had an and one on a very pretty Jokic diamond transition as well. Uh, kind of beat DeJounte Murray down the floor. Jokic gave a beautiful touch pass. and 
it's just some some very strong plays from Faku. And, and there are a lot of defensive plays where he stands out as a very solid contributor all the way around. Somebody who kind of ties the, the unit together with his ability to contest everything, to, to run around and just give that constant effort. He was on an 11 tonight on the effort scale. It was very, very good. Made some contest in the corner, made some contest at the rim, had a block, <laughs> was just flying around everywhere. So that's what you love to see from Faku. You need to see some shooting. That's what you need to see. But for now, the good, he gave some great, great, great energy. Jermichael Green shooting in defense, I thought that was also really good. Kind of after Jeff Green really uh, had a good game in the first game, Jermichael Green follows it up with 10 points, 4 of 5 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 steals, strong positional defense. Even against Jakob Pertl, even against some of the bigs, I thought that he did a really nice job. And I think that's going to be the key to Jermichael Green this season. He's going to get worn down, but if he can provide great energy and great punch against opposing fives, he has a really, really, really good opportunity to be a a focal point of Denver's defense in such a way where by him playing fundamentally, by him playing very solid, he can help make the bench defense great. And they were tonight, in part because he was just rotating everywhere and everybody else was rotating behind him. It was awesome. P.J. Dozier still looks comfortable as a piece off the bench, had a good quality shooting performance as well, had seven points, three assists, was a plus six in 21 minutes, a decent defensive night, not great, Uh, not as great as Faku either. And I also don't think that it's great when he and Faku are the lead the lead shot takers on the bench where I just think that that unit, they need some sort of alpha offensively because you've got a lot of good third, fourth, fifth, fifth options, maybe even a second option if you think of PJ as that. But I think you need a really good first, second, or yeah, first or second option out there. And I, I really do believe that that's what's eventually going to happen. It just isn't happening right now, and that's fine especially while Denver's winning. Here's the bad, though. Uh, Jeff Green was kind of meh. Uh, Matt Moore, I I don't know if he's the first one to push this, but he's the one that I heard first say it. Uh, He has the only one Jay Green theory, where only one Jay Green is allowed to be good at one time. Uh, And tonight it was Jermichael Green, and Jeff Green was kind of meh. And I, I sort of agree with Matt that those two play a very similar role where they're pick-and-pop bigs, where they're fundamental, switchy defenders, where you want them to not necessarily get a lot of blocks and steals, but you want them to force the opposing team to miss uh, by playing great positional defense, contesting well, not fouling, etc. Jeff Green kind of struggled in his matchup with Keldon Johnson, switching onto Jakob Purtle in the fourth quarter. Uh, both of those things I thought were important, and I don't think that Jeff Green did a great job there. I could be not thinking perfectly clearly about that, but that's at least my impression. He airballed a corner three on a highlight pass from Jokic in transition. He wasn't really ready for it, and actually it might have been the half court, but either way, Jokic kind of passing from the top of the key to Jeff Green in the right corner. 
He wants to get up a quick shot and uh, airball. So he's got to find ways to be impactful um, when when the three is not going down, when the offense isn't perfect. Just one rebound for him. He needs to get more involved on the glass. I thought the Denver starters were pretty good at rebounding. The bench needs to be better. That needs to be their, not their calling card, but at least their focus because they are playing small. They're playing three guards and they're playing two, six, eight guys at the four and the five. So you have to be dedicated. You have to be thinking about it. And Jeff Green is somebody who he's never been a rebounder throughout his career, but he needs to focus and get more than the the reboundings that he's got so far. Uh, Not a great rebounding start for Jeff Green. And then Austin Rivers um, had a scary fall at one point where he was driving to the rim. And um, that sort of kind of turned his night on its head a little bit because I thought that he he had done a couple of nice things. He had a nice drive against Doug McDermott, had gotten to the rim there, had played some good defense, collected a steal. Um, But the move that he had against Doug McDermott was actually an identical move to the one that he had against Cam Johnson in the first game. And those are the only two buckets that he scored so far this year. So I am, I'm at least a little concerned that those are the only two ways that he has scored. He hasn't hit an outside shot. He hasn't gotten to the rim really that much. Uh, Gotten to the free throw line is what I mean. Excuse me. He doesn't pull up from the mid-range, and it really is just threes and and to the rim with him. When he takes shots in the mid-range, they usually miss. Three points on four shots tonight, and I would be at least a little concerned that Faku was the guy that led the bench with eight shots. Like, that's not how it's supposed to go. And I know that Faku earned those shot attempts tonight, though he did not earn the threes. Like, those threes are atrocious. But Austin Rivers needs to be kind of a focal point at times. And if he's not good enough to be the focal point, then I think this bench unit is going to continue to struggle scoring the basketball. They haven't been burned by it yet. And I understand why Michael Malone wants to give this unit an opportunity to work because they are the veteran group. They are the fundamental group. They're the one that gives him the best opportunity defensively to really bolster this team and make sure that they make as few mistakes as possible. But I think that this is a situation where Michael Malone has done this in the past, where he gives a unit an opportunity to fail. And then when they fail, he waits for the loss. And then when the loss happens is when he makes the change. I think that we're 0 for 2 on bench nights so far, overall. I think that Faku had a really nice bounce back game today. I think that Faku actually hit a pretty decent game in, in the first game. It just wasn't like, it wasn't to this degree. Uh, PJ Dozier had a better game in game one than game two. And then Jeff Green had a good game game one. Michael Green had a good game in game two. Austin Nervous has yet to have a good game and he got hurt a little bit. And I wonder if that's going to impact him. I'm, I'm curious to see if he shows up on the injury report tomorrow. Um, 
but Malone has waited for losses before making changes. Usually if the team is winning, he doesn't want to change things up, doesn't want to flip the chemistry. And I understand that. Like There there are some locker room dynamics at play here where if you're winning, then why would you make a change? Why would you change a damn thing? You just keep going at it. Now, sometimes that has led uh, kind of habits to form where you can see the problem developing before your eyes, but Michael Malone doesn't want to change it until the loss happens. And then when the, the loss finally does happen, it is because that that problem has become such a big problem that it is a really, really big issue. So my guess is that he's going to wait and Bones Highland is eventually going to get his opportunity, but is going to have to wait for now. And then when that loss does come and the bench is kind of meh, they need a little bit more scoring, then that's when they'll give him his opportunity. It's probably not going to come before. I thought that it would come tonight. Probably a bad call on my part, but you live and you learn. I remember Michael Porter Jr. in the 1920 season. He had to wait four games for his first opportunity. He His first game, I think, was on Halloween, if I'm not mistaken, where Denver didn't really have an opportunity to play him in the first four, and they played him in the fifth. And they played him for a very small, actually, it was a blowout and they were losing. So he did get to play some extended minutes in that one. But uh, then he got to kind of show off his talent and he stuck in the rotation and then he made some mistakes and then Torrey Craig got back in. So Torrey Craig is Austin Rivers in this scenario and Michael Porter is Bones Highland in this scenario. You're going to have to wait and Nuggets fans are going to have to be patient and hopefully Denver just wins, and hopefully they go 15-0, and 0 and we don't see Bones Island for 15 games. Like, there are worse things, right? Like, where Denver gets off to such a great start, that you stop having to think about it. And you just kind of let the chips fall where they may, let this team continue to win, and if they do continue to win, then that's great. If they get a loss here or there, and the bench is the reason why, then that's when you make changes. That's all I really have from this one. Uh, big takeaway, Jokic is a beast. He's at the top of the MVP ladder. And people won't seriously talk about the MVP for a long time, or maybe not a long time, because I actually did see somebody ask uh, Steph Curry about it last night when he had 45, which is fine. Like Steph is going to get the narrative behind him as long as they continue to win. But Jokic has my narrative. Jokic is definitely the guy that I would vote for at this point, And I think that he absolutely deserves that. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure to use promo code MHS if you sign up for DraftKings. I uh, really appreciate all of the love and support over the course of this time. Probably won't have another podcast until Monday. We'll let you guys know... Uh, But for now, that is going to do it, and I will talk to you guys next week.